another Philippines. This amazes me. <laughs> Fun. All right. Welcome to the Global Math Department. My name is Joe Bemis, and I am going to be your host tonight, or at least I'll attempt to keep everything going. Tonight, we're going to hear from Robin May about games and routines for building number sense and fluency. Super topic. I'm excited, excited. Would everyone please introduce themselves in the chat window telling us what you teach, where you teach, and what your Twiddle handle is, if you have one. Um, before I introduce our speaker, let me explain how these meetings work. These meetings are recorded and are available within 24 hours after the meeting ends. To view the recording, you can use the same URL you used to get here tonight, or you'll get a email bright and early tomorrow morning that will have the link again. The global math community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I will try my best to grab questions for Robin during the um, webinar so that she can answer them at the end if she doesn't um, address them during the webinar. Um, our speaker tonight is Robin May. She's going to introduce herself. So I am going to turn it over to Robin. Is there any other things I can do, Robin, before I mute myself and take myself off the screen? Uh, I think that's good. All right. You are right. officially on. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. Welcome. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited about this tonight. Um, and we're going to do a lot of things. We're going to do some number routines. Um, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of these are geared content wise towards our early elementary grades here in the US. Um, but you can take the same routines and gear them towards content for your grade level. So even if the content doesn't quite match what you teach, I hope you come away with lots of ideas that you can take back to your classrooms with your students. So um, I am a math specialist from Madison County Schools in Mississippi, and my role is primarily to work with teachers on best practices and sharing ideas with them and, and that kind of thing. Um, although I do work a lot with kids, too, when I go into the classrooms and supporting them. So we're going to jump into um, kind of my brief bio here. Um, I started my career as a pre-K teacher in Georgia, and I was there for about six years. And then after two kids, my husband and I decided to move back home to our hometown of Madison, Mississippi, um, which is when I became a math specialist. Uh, I really wasn't ready to leave the classroom, but I had this opportunity and uh, I've fallen in love with it over the years. So, um, and over the course of the last four years, that's when I really been able to find all this great math stuff that I get to go and share with teachers. Um, I really think math and all learning in general should be a lot of fun. It should be fun for the kids and it should be fun for us as the teacher too. Um, I was in a classroom today and we were playing a game and it was the teacher, or it was me versus the kids. And uh, it was just lots of loud cheers all the time. And I kind of looked at the teacher and shrugged a little bit um, because I think that noise can be, um, when kids are noisy, they're probably learning. So, um, and then my reasons for what I do are these three little boys you see in this picture. These are my three kids. Um, my oldest is in first grade, my middle child's in pre-K. Um, and so I want learning to be fun for them too, which is another reason why I'm so passionate about what I do. So, um, just a couple quotes that I love about play. You've got Mr. Rogers here saying play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning, but for children, play is serious learning. And I think when you're in a classroom that does a lot of play, you see a lot of that learning growth too. And then Albert Einstein, and this is actually like a boiled down quote from him, but basically the essence of it was play is the highest form of research. Um, so even for us as adults, when we're playing with something, we're playing with an idea, um, that's part of researching and learning and growing. All right, and then a little bit on the science of play, and then we'll actually get to some fun stuff here. Um, it promotes early brain development, 
uh, leads to adaptability, greater social skills. So you'll see in a lot of these routines that I share, there's a lot of social interaction that would typically go on um, and better executive functioning. It also impacts, of course, mathematics, spatial skills and scientific thinking. Uh, and then I love this, that learning occurs best when children are mentally active, they're engaged, they're socially interactive, and they're making those meaningful connections to their lives. So, all right. So we're going to jump in. I thought we'd start with math routines first, because a math routine can really set the tone for your lesson. Um, so the, and, and these are routines that, um, to give full credit, a lot of these are from Steve Wyborny, if you're familiar with him. So I'm sharing some of my favorites from him. Um, and then you'll see a lot of images too on some later ones that are from the Math Learning Center. Um, because they've taken and made some beautiful graphics to go with these routines. So here we go. We're going to do estimation clipboard first. And you can kind of see in this picture here, he sets up these scenarios and asks how many are in the bowl. Um, and he uses all kinds of items. But what I really love about it is that we get kids practicing estimation. And so that's something that I think gets kind of uh, lost sometimes in our classrooms. We're so focused on these um, explicit skills, adding and subtracting and so on, that we forget that estimation is a really valuable one. Um, it helps kids develop reasonableness. And so this gives them lots of opportunities. And along the way, as you'll see in a minute, they get to refine their estimates. So let's jump on in. And this is his estimation clipboard 64. All right, so he's got some popsicles, some little popsicle erasers, it looks like, in this vase. So what I want you to do is in the chat, I want you to throw out an estimate. How many popsicles do you think are in that vase? Right, lots of estimates coming in there. I'm seeing lots in the 20s, lots in the 30s. Okay, so let's take a look. So now he kind of gives us, oh, I forget, he, he does these uh, teacher questions along the way to help you guide you. Um, all right, so he preps you for the reveal and you click one more time and he tells you 31. So a lot of you guys were close, right? Lots of 20s and 30s. All right, so we know this is 31. Now he gives us a second image. And what he wants us to do is look at that first image and use that to estimate how many are in that second image. So take a look at that image on the top right. If we know that the first base had 31 objects, how many would you estimate are in the second base? And you can throw it in the chat. Yay, somebody's excited, they got 30. Yeah, so our kids get really excited too when they're close, right? All right, so your estimates for the second one are coming in. Ooh, a couple, several people saying 38, interesting. Got some in the 40s. All right. And we're going to click again. He preps us for the reveal. And 37. Oh, look, I, somebody was right on the money there. I think Kim got it right on the money. Um, awesome. So we're using these pictures to build our, our estimation skill here. <laughs> All right. So here's a third picture. How many do you think are in this space? And this time, when you put your estimate in the chat, I want you to tell me why you think that. So we're going to estimate that third jar there and why you have that estimate. What makes you think that's the number in there? Awesome. So I'm seeing a lot of there's looks like there's less than 31. It's not quite all the way full, slightly less. All right, let's take a look. So here's um, he's got this little pencil. This is a new edition, actually, um, that has kids start to really explain their reasoning here. All right. Um, oh, look, somebody's saying about eight are missing from the first. OK, so here we go. Twenty six. Awesome. Oh, look at that. Lots of you guys said 26, 27, 25, 28. 
So what I'm noticing is that as we've gone through these pictures, you guys are getting better and better at estimating. So that range that was really wide at first is really starting to narrow down here. And then we've got one more picture. All right, so how about this one, this fourth one here? How many popsicles do you think are in there and why? Okay, getting into the 40s here. It's over the top of the jar now. Oh, so maybe just a few more than that 37 that we saw up here in the top right. All right, let's go ahead and take a look. So here's our big reveal. 41. All right. Oh, look, and somebody's saying you can almost count them. And that's what our kids will do. They'll sit there and they'll try to count every single one that they can see. Um, all right. Nice job, everybody. Again, every, that range was really small compared to where we first started. Um, so I think that's the beauty of this is uh, the, the refinement that happens as you go through all this. Um, I've had teachers come to me and go, Robin, my kids love that. Where do I get more of that? Um, so Steve Wyborny, and I think um, Jill or Lee posted it up here. It's stevewyborny.com. Yep, there it is. Um, he's got these estimation clipboard, and he's got a ton of them. He's put out like a new routine for every day of the school year, I think. Um, and I see Lee sharing estimysteries, and that's actually our next one. So let's move on. All right, estimysteries is very much like the estimation clipboard. So you see some objects in some sort of container, but this time he gives us clues to narrow down to the right one. So we're working on the estimation, but we also get to work on a lot of other skills. Sometimes it's skip counting. Sometimes it's paying attention to place value, like tens and ones. Um, so we're going to play through an estimistory. So this is called Double Scoop of Beads. And I actually did this with my son's first grade class right around Valentine's Day. Um, and the cheers that erupted in the classroom at the end were just, um, I was afraid the principal was going to come down and ask what we were doing. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and there are, he does have some clues that are great for, um, I want to say he's got like a third through fifth grade one and then, or maybe even just third grade up. So you get into like multiplication and division and that kind of thing. All right, so we're going to take a look at this picture here. And why don't you go ahead and estimate how many heartbeats you think are in those two scoops? And you can throw it in the chat. And this is probably where you see kids like with their finger up counting all of them. We're probably all doing it too. <laughs> Awesome, seeing in the 30s and the low 40s here. All right, so let's go ahead and see what his first clue is for us. All right, so the answer is greater than 31 and less than 58. So greater than 31 and less than 58. So at this point, I would say, all right, guys, we need to maybe adjust our estimate. So if, you're, if your estimate was less than 31, let's adjust it. Or if it was greater than 58, let's adjust it. So if you guessed something that was not in that range, I want you to go ahead and do a new estimate. And you can just write it down wherever you are, um, or, or you can throw it in the chat if you want. And then he's added this great like built-in hundreds chart here, which is makes it easy. Um, he added this part, I think, because a lot of teachers are teaching virtually right now. So it kind of automatically wipes out 
any of the choices that are no longer valid. So between 32 and 37 is still valid. So I see a few people adjusting their estimate. All right, well, let's see what clue number two is. All right, cross off all the numbers in this pattern, 5, 10, 15. So if we kept going in that pattern, we'd have to cross off 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, and 55. So here's what our chart looks like now. I have to adjust again, right? We had a lot of people with um, a, a multiple of five there, so they're having to adjust again. All right, so we can see what our choices are still on the chart. All right, ready for clue number three? All right, it says look at the die. So that die has just kind of been sitting back there. What do you see? The answer does not include the digits two, four, or six. Uh, so I see some people are saying, oh yeah, mine still works. And then we've got this clue, does not include the digits two, four, or six. All right. So if you had a number, had an estimate that had two, four, or six in it, um, you're gonna have to adjust again. All right, so I see lots of 37s, 53, 39, 44 is super out, <laughs> yes. All right, so here we go. We've marked out a lot of things here. All right, so some 51 and 39. All right, let's get our next clue. All right, our next clue says cross off the three missing numbers. So we have 34, 35, 36. So the missing numbers would be 37, 38, 39. So that knocked out a whole bunch more. But even if your original number is gone or your second or third or fourth number is gone, you still have an opportunity to refine your estimate. So go ahead. You should have either 33, 51, 53, or 57 as your estimate now. All right. Lots of them rolling in. Awesome. Okay. Our final clue says the answer is not 51. The answer is not two more than 51. So we've just knocked out 51 and 53. All right. Try these with a living line plot. Oh, John, that would be interesting to see. All right. So our two possible choices at this point are 33 or 57. And so think about it for just a second. And you could even go back, maybe check how many you can see and estimate from there how many you can't see. And what I did in the classroom when we got down to these two, I had the kids stand up. I was like, okay, if you think it's 33, go over here. If you think it's 57, go over here. And so they all, they, they got up, they split themselves out. Um, the teacher went one direction. She was so sure that she had it. <laughs> um, and then turns out she didn't, but um, the kids thought that was great. Oh, I like this. Uh, Valentine is saying about 20 in one scoop. Um, maybe those scoops are deeper than we realize. So maybe it's actually 57. All right. So now we've seen all these clues. We've narrowed it down. You guys are throwing your final estimates in the chat. So let's see our reveal. 57 beads. All right. And that's what I think most everybody had at the end there was 57. The kind of thought about how many are one scoop. So if we double it, how many is that? Um, so nice job, guys. Super impressed with your estimation skills. <laughs> All right. So our next math routine, this is the last one I have from Steve Wyborny um, because I love him so much. <laughs> 
Um, yes, very engaging for sure. We get lots of interaction, um, a lot of that social interaction too happening here. All right, so Splat is another favorite routine of mine. And he's got so many different variations. Um, he's got all the way, I mean, he's got fractions and um, I don't even know what else. I don't dig into the upper grade stuff as much as I do the lower grades. Um, but the general idea is you have some dots or some value of dots that show up on the screen. With the little kids, if the number's under 10, I have them kind of subitize or um, count how many there are. If it's over 10, I have them estimate because I don't have time for them to count 18 dots on the screen. Um, so we get to work in some estimation here too. But he has this rare red splat that I think is a relatively new development over the last year. And so the red splats have a rule of their own and they change each time you see a red splat. So we're going to look at this one here. All right, so this is a level one. So we see two splats, a black splat and a red splat. And our clue is, our rule is that the value of the red splat is one more than the value of the black splat. So we want to think about that for a minute. Um, so I see Juan is asking, which part of the lesson do you usually use these routines? Um, once kids are familiar with them, I like to use them as a warm up. Like, let's just get our brains start to think about math. Um, so it can be a quick warm up at the beginning. It takes longer as they're learning how to do these routines. Um, oh. No, my slide is moving. Sorry, guys. Um, so, but once they know how to do it, it goes pretty quickly. You can also use it as a transition activity. All right, so he's telling us here that the value of all the dots is seven. So we can see two here. So if we can see two, what is the value that would be hidden under the splats, like all together under the splats? And you guys can put that answer in the chat there. We know there's a total value of seven and we can see two. All right, so yeah, so if we can see two, we know that we have a value of five more under the splat. And I see some of you guys are already thinking about what's under that red splat. So I'm seeing three a lot as in three under the red splat. If we had five, and this would be great to even um, use some cubes too. And so I could have kids get their cubes, some five cubes, and then think about what's one more. So if we have two and three, so three is one more than two, because that's our rule for our red splat. And then usually gives, again, the prep that the reveal will happen. And so we see the two. And at this point, we can really think about, okay, the red spot has to be one more than two. Um, and for those of you who have ever taught like kindergarten, that's a big concept is understanding one more. Um, so as you guys said, the value of the red splat is three and the black was two. So kudos to you guys. Um, like I said, he's got a bunch more that incorporate fractions too. Um, and I like, he, he's got, he says that you can take them and edit them. So what I'll do is I'll take one that he's got and I can change the pictures of dots to make it thematic. So for Valentine's Day, I changed it to hearts and we had a big ice storm here back in February. And so I changed it to snowflakes just because at least for our lower grades, they love a theme um, and they get so excited about it. So uh, sixth grade could use it to write equations. Yeah, sure they could. Um, I usually have kids justify and what I'll do uh, on a typical splat where there it's just one big splat it's covering up a certain amount is I'll collect all of their answers because inevitably you'll have two or three different answers that come up in a classroom and I'll write them all on the board and then I'll say, all right, who wants to come justify one of these? Who wants to come up and explain how they got their answer? 
And so usually they sit and look at it for a second. Somebody will volunteer and I don't, I, whether they've got the answer right or not, I have them come up and explain. Um, and if they've got it right, then you see other light bulbs start clicking on. And if they got it wrong, they go, oh, hold on just a minute. Because as they're explaining and they're talking through it, they realize what mistake they made. So it's a great opportunity to learn from your mistakes here too. All right. So we're going to move on to some different routines here. Um, as I said, a lot of these images are going to be from the Math Learning Center. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they've got this great Math at Home page that they've been adding on to all year. And they've incorporated a, bu a bunch of different math routines in that. So um, I got these two that are they're very similar, but to me, they kind of build on each other. So we have what's the same and what's different, which is like this image on the left side where you see two images and you're really thinking about how are they similar? How are they different? So math mathematically, how are they the same? How are they different? Um, and then which one doesn't belong? You see four images and there's a different reason why each one doesn't belong. So, um, and thank you. I think that's Lee putting some links in our chat for us to link you to those um, to the math at home with the math learning center. All right, so let's take a look at this. So this is a pre-K example. Um, what's the same and what's different? So take a minute to look at that. And then in the chat, I want you to write something that's the same and something that's different about these two images. All right, so I see some coming in there. Let's see, they both have two windows, they sure do. Um, but the roof colors are different. Um, the triangle on top of the door is different. So B has a triangle on the door, A does not. Um, ooh, the door is in different locations, interesting. Let's see. I see the two blue windows again. B has one more triangle. Yep. So other than that, it's the same shapes, except B has that extra triangle. Awesome. They both have the green door. Yep. All right. So let's see. They both use the same colors, but they're not the same size. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So that was, that was a nice, easy one from pre-K there. But you can imagine for a four-year-old or five-year-old, they're really, um, it's like spot the difference, right? From those um, highlights magazines from when we were little, um, finding the difference here. All right. Let's take a look at which one doesn't belong. So on this, this is a second grade example. We've got four different images. And I want you to decide which one doesn't belong and why. So you can put that in the chat when you've got an idea, which one doesn't belong and why. All right, look at that. I think our first three here all have um, a different answer for different reasons. Okay, so we've got top left, it's just one thing being repeated. So we've got all the tens here. Um, I see B because it's a money representation. Um, We've got, oh, D also doesn't belong. I started, saw somebody said it's the only one with units or the, the ones there. Um, and somebody else said it's got three add-ins and it's the only one with three add-ins. Nice. Yeah. Um, A is the only one with only green rods. Awesome. So there's a reason why each of these doesn't belong. Ah, so somebody figured out C here. C because of the value. Everything else, I think, is 160. And then we've got 150 in C. Nice. Um, I think somebody's raising their hand on here. But I'm not sure. Jill, if somebody's raising their hand, do we... Can we unmute them and let them say something? Holly, did you want to say something? <laughs> Sorry, guys, I've never used this before. Oh, I see Holly. Uh, never mind. Maybe she put it in the chat there. Okay. All right. So we're going to keep rolling on this. Um, 
suggesting making the corners different colors to help with lowering the floor. So like making this A red and the B blue. Um, oh, interesting question. Uh, have you ever had feedback that what doesn't belong activities teach kids to identify being different as not belonging? Um, you know, I haven't ever come up against that, um, but that is an interesting point. So, um, yeah, that's definitely interesting and something to think about and be cautious with. Um, yeah, thank you for bringing that, that point up. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can just Google which one doesn't belong. Um, the, these particular images are from that math at home with the, oh, I like that, which one is different. Um, yeah, so the math at home site with the math learning centers where these came from, but I know there's also like, I think it's WODB, which one doesn't belong, .ca. Yep, there it is. Um, you can also make these too. Uh, I've done that. We had a school who had a, a whole math day and it was space themed. And so I made a bunch of these that were space themed and uh, it's a lot harder to make them than it is to identify which one is different there. So um, that's a good challenge too for, for kids to be thinking about, especially if you've got those like middle school kids. Um, I've seen it done with like graphs and functions and all kinds of things. All right. And then I think our lap, this is our last routine. I had to cut down. I have a lot of things to share. Um, all right. So our last routine is would you rather? And so there's really no right answer here. But again, there's a lot of justifying that they can do. So you can see here an example. Would you rather have 80 cents to spend at the store on the left? or 90 cents to spend in the store on the right. And so I'm gonna let you think about that for a second and you can put your answer in the chat and tell us why you picked that amount of money at that particular store. Um, Lorraine, I'm not sure if Would You Rather is a website as well. Um, this is a relatively new one for me, but again, these images are from that Math at Home Math Learning Center site. But I think if you Google them, you'll find a lot. All right. So I like it. Somebody, Holly's like, I like bananas. I'm going for the store on the right. <laughs> um, Lorraine says the 80 cents because I can get more items there because maybe they, co they cost less there. Nice. All right. So, and then there's just another example here for you. Um, oh, look, and we've got some folks putting in, would you rather math um, right there? Awesome. Uh, so here's another example with these boxes of crayons and I showed it to my husband and he was like, um, I'm definitely getting one box because why would I want four? And so I came back with just to, to um, pick the opposite choice of him. I thought, well, I'll take the four boxes so I can have one in this room and one in that room and one in that room. So I never have to go looking for my one box of crayons. Um, so one of the things that you can do with these two is, you know, why have them think about why would somebody pick that other choice? Um, so yeah, exactly. So one box has more colors, right? You're not just getting the same 10. Um, you get lots of variety there. All right. So that wraps up the math routines part of this. Um, we're going to move on to math games. And like I mentioned earlier, I probably have too much for our time. So while I'm thinking about that in the handout section, you should be able to access all of this. So you'll get all the notes, 
um, and all of the activities too. And I've tried to put links on everything so you can get them um, after this session. So we're going to jump into math games. And so I have three I want to share that involve just using materials you probably already have in your classroom. So we're going to start with salute. And all you need for this is a deck of playing cards. And then, so for our pre-K and kindergartners, I usually say just keep ace through five with your ace being a one. And then for first grade up, you can have ace through 10. Now there is a version of this. We're gonna play an addition version or I'm gonna show you an addition version. Um, but there's, you can also do it with multiplication and probably other things that I haven't thought about. So here's how it works. And normally if we were like all in the same room together, I would have you pair up with partners and we could play through it together, um, but we'll have to suffice with some images here on the screen for this one. So it's a three player game. You have one person who's the card master who controls the deck, and then you've got player one and player two. Now, sometimes we don't always have a perfect trio of kids in our classroom, so we might have a group of two. And if that's the case, then you just replace player two with that deck of cards. All right, so the way it works is the card master hands out two cards, one to player one and player two, and they don't look at their cards. They keep it face down. And then the card master says salute, and they put the cards like up on their forehead like this where they can't see them. And the card master says what the sum is. So in this case, the card master would say the sum is eight. Well, the players, they can see each other's card. And so their thinking goes something like this because they're trying to figure out what's on top of their head. So you can see player one here was looking over there. He goes, okay, I see that five. So I have to have a three because I know five plus three equals eight. And then player two is looking over here at player one and he goes, you know what? I know the sum is eight. I can subtract the three I see with player one. And so I know I have five. And so you get to work on a couple different skills here. You get to work on adding two numbers and then also finding the missing part. So I would put my two strongest players as player one and player two. And then the player um, who's your card master might be the one who's a little bit weaker in some of these skills here. So, and again, if you do it with multiplication, you would say the product is 15 in this example and they could use uh, multiplication division to figure out what card is on their head there. All right, and next up we have target. And so this involves a deck of playing cards, just ace through nine only, and some recording sheets. So as I mentioned, those are in the handouts. Um, and I've got some resources at the end here where you'll be able to access all of these as well. So I'm going to see, I'm going to try to share my screen and share my camera. So I'm going to shift some things around here. All right, I want to share screen. All right, I think you guys can see where it says target 10 on my screen now. Can you guys see that? Okay, I'm gonna assume you can, and if you can't for some reason, yes, perfect. All right, so I have three different versions to share tonight with target 10 or with target. Um, so target 10, is really geared more towards kindergarten. So they're working with um, making 10. Their goal is to make 10. So I've got a deck of cards here. And with target 10, they draw three cards and show them face up. So we've got an eight, a six, and a two. So um, 
All right, so looking at this, I would have a kindergartner write down what their three cards are. So I would write them down here, eight, six, and two. And now their goal is to pick two cards that get them as close to 10 as possible. So I think this is pretty easy. Um, the two cards that they would probably pick would be eight and two. So then they can make an equation with it. Um, one suggestion that a kindergarten teacher had was just play the game first. Before you add in any kind of recording sheet, just play the game. So they get to understand how to play the game. Then you can get to the recording sheet, which uh, teachers do like a recording sheet because it gives some accountability to the game. Um, so they can write their equation, eight plus two equals 10. And then my sum of 10 is blank away from 10. So in this case, it's exactly 10. And so it's zero away from 10. But this recording sheet, I included this uh, number path here, number line, so that they could figure out how far away from 10 they are. And it's set up where you can see there's a player two board down here at the bottom. So this is something that you could, um, I see somebody's mentioning like not sharing items due to COVID. So you can like laminate this so that you can sanitize it afterwards, or each person could have their own recording sheet. Um, and then she's saying there's some printable playing cards, so you could maybe find printable playing cards, um, but they're also pretty cheap. At least I, I know um, in the U.S. you can get a deck of cards for like a dollar, so um, parents may be willing to send those in if you wanted some. All right, so that's target 10. That's pretty easy. Target 20 would be what I would use for like first grade, and so you can see it's very similar as far as the recording sheet goes, this time you draw five cards and you choose three to get as close to 20 as you can get. So if we were to add on to these cards here, we have two, eight, six, eight, and nine. So why don't you put in the chat which three cards you would pick to get as close to 20 as possible. Oh, that's a great suggestion. Somebody's saying the local casinos sometimes donate playing cards. All right. I see a two, eight, and a nine to get as close to 20 as possible. All right. So if we go with that two, eight, and nine, oh, there's another one there. Yep. So if we go with two, eight, and nine, we can see we've got this 10 here, right? That two and that eight make 10 and nine more gives us 19. So there's a little space here where they can work that out. So they could say like 10 plus nine equals 19. And then the score for the round is to is how far they are from 20. Um, as close to 20 as possible, you can go over. So it can be over or under. Good question. All right, so our score, how far are we from 20? We're one away. Now my partner for player two here would have drawn their own five cards, found their own three to add to get to 20, and their difference may have been three. So target 20 is set up so that kids play, at least on the recording sheet, so that they play three rounds, and then their final score is they add up their score from each round, and then the lowest score wins. All right, and then this is my favorite one is target 100 because we really get to start digging into some place value ideas here. So I'm going to pick some different cards for us. And in this one, our goal is to make 100. And I'll scooch that over. All right, you're going to draw six cards. All right, and we're gonna make two two-digit numbers. Two two-digit numbers. And so when I say two-digit number, I mean like 27 and 21, okay? You want two two-digit numbers that get you as close to 100 as possible. So I'm gonna let you think about that. 
And then once you've got an idea, why don't you put it in the chat for us and we'll see what all the different ways we come up with. Saw a 71 and a 29. So our ones just changed places here. So that's exactly 100. So nice job there. Let's see. I'm seeing a 69 plus 27 here. So that's 80, let's say 96. So that's really close to 100. Awesome job, guys. Lots of different options there. And so with this, again, you have two players here. They can either use the same cards or they could pull two different sets of cards. And the score is how far they are from 100. So if you were six, if you were four away, you would have a score of four for that round. If you had um, exactly 100, your score would be zero for that. So this is, this is a lot of fun because kids really have to manipulate these numbers. They have to have some understanding of um, which two tens would help them get close to 100 and how to kind of bring it home with your ones. Um, or kind of thinking about it as a whole number that I know about 70 plus about 30 is going to get me close to 100. So... Um, and I see somebody sharing an extension of it called Reach 100. So that would be something to check out. Nice. Um, you can also do this with a thousand. I think you would pull eight cards and pick six to make two three digit numbers there. All right. And then let's see. I'm going to keep sharing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop sharing for just a minute so I can get back to these slides. All right. So we'll click on through because we just played these together. All right. And then there's also beat you to a dollar or beat you to 100. And I'm going to share my screen again on this one. And I know we're catching up to our hour here. So we'll kind of play through this a little quickly. Um, I'll just do a quick little demo. Um, this started as... Uh, a teacher asked me to come play games with her class, and I said, well, what are, you, what are you guys learning right now? Let me try to kind of um, work with that. And they were adding tens and ones. And so this was originally beat you to 100. Now they're working on money, so I took that same concept and I adjusted it to include money. So we have a lot of people from other countries here, which I didn't anticipate. Um, but maybe you can find some connections to how this may work in uh, with your currency. So you should be able to see my screen here. Um, this is another, uh, this is an app from the Math Learning Center. They've got these money pieces. Um, these are only, uh, again, U.S. pieces. But I think there are some others out there who may use some other, um, other countries' currency as well. So the idea... Um, is that I would play against the class, um, again, because the kids love to beat a teacher. So we roll a die, and I got a four. Now, on this game, um, kind of like the Target 100, you want to get as close to a dollar as possible. This time, it's without going over. So as close to a dollar without going over. So I rolled a four, so I would have to decide which coin I want to take four of. Now I have to take five turns no matter what, so I've got to be careful along the way about which coins I choose. In this case, I would probably choose four dimes because a dime is worth 10 cents. And so four dimes is 40 cents 
which gets me close enough to a dollar without going over because the dollar is 100 cents. And then the students would take their turn and it would go back and forth like that. Um, I would also have them do a recording here of how much money they have. So like I should have probably written 40 cents down here. And what gets really interesting is I usually have kids vote too. So as a class, if they rolled a five, you may have five saying, I want five quarters. And you've got some saying five dimes and five pennies. And so it's another great opportunity to get them to explain why, it, why do you want that, right? So, um, and then I had, I played a class the other day and they took nickels instead of pennies. And if they hadn't done that, they would have won. So we got to go back and kind of say, okay, if we had changed this one role, how could that have turned out differently? All right, so I'm going to um, sh show you now some games for, let me get my document camera back up here. All right, my last part um, is games that you can purchase. And so I picked three of my favorites. Um, I love playing them with my kids. We played a whole lot of games <laughs> over the last year. And so the first one, this slide over here, is called Prime Climb. And here's what the board looks like. At least the best I can show you under here. Let's see. <laughs> so this is by a company called Math for Love, um, which is by Dan Finkel, if you're familiar with him. And it's this great huge spiral of a board. And each of our prime numbers has um, your early prime numbers. Let's see if I can scooch that into the board. Okay. Um, so each of these early prime numbers has a color here that is going to help with um, the factors think I'm saying that right, my upper elementary and middle school folks, um, for all these other numbers on the board, and it goes all the way to 101. So we play the junior rules. I played the junior rules with my kids. Um, so we basically only add or subtract. You're rolling a 10-sided die, and your goal is to get your pawn all the way to 101. And there's a lot of just board game play that you can do, even at this lower elementary level. So just the act of being able to count on five spaces is big, like for my preschooler, right? That we can accurately count on five. Um, and then my first grader is able to do things like um, if he rolls a card and gets a card that says you can add 50 to your number. So he's working on skills like that as well. And then if you play with the full rules, you can do uh, multiplying and dividing as well. But what I really love is the goal is to get exactly 101. And so they've got these keeper cards. All right, so they've got these keeper cards. Let's see. That have kids uh, think about some different rules here. So a keeper, uh, my boys like to use them at the very end where they can uh, manipulate their roles to get exactly 101. So you've got keeper cards like that, but then you also have other prime cards that have them do things like look at the number they're on. If you're above 50, subtract 50. If you're below 50, add 50. That makes a big difference in the game um, when that one comes up. And then you've also got things like this where it says reverse the digits in your number. Um, I see somebody saying Mathagon Polypad has these now. Yes, Mathagon um, and actually Math for Love has a new game coming out all about multiplication. Um, I can't remember the name right now, but it's coming out very soon. And so Mathagon has uh, an app now where kids can use these same visuals and learn multiplication conceptually. So um, definitely check that out if you're third grade and up. 
or if you're in a different country and younger students are working on that. Sorry, I keep forgetting that we have people from all over the world here tonight. Um, all right, so that's Prime Climb. The next one I have to share is Sky Joe. All right, so Sky Joe looks like this. And what I love about it is you can see the cards here on the front of the back, on front of the box, excuse me, that go from negative two all the way up to 12. And so the goal of this game is to get the lowest score possible at the end of the game. And for the sake of time, I won't go through all the rules, but definitely check that out. Um, our elementary kids get to kind of learn about some negative numbers as they're adding up their score without, um, without having to go into a big discussion about what negative numbers are. They just kind of instinctively understand it. And then the last game I have to share with our last two minutes is called Double Shutter, which looks like that. That's the box. And if you're familiar with Shut the Box, this is like an extra cool version of it. So you've got two tiles. Let's see if we can show that. All right, two tiles. And the idea here is that kids roll the die and add it together so three plus two is five and then they have to look at their tiles here and they have to put down any tiles that have a sum of five so we could put down that five or they could put down four and one or two and three or however that goes um, and then they keep rolling and rolling and putting down the tiles as they can and then what happens is at the end they end up with something like this and they have to add up their score and so that to me is one of the best parts is um, writing out the string of numbers and then seeing all the different strategies they have for adding this together. Uh, the front tiles, the red tiles actually count double when you um, get your score. So we would have 10 and then here's another 10 with our six and four, so that's 25, 26, 27, 28. So, that's those are the highlights there um all right i see a question about beat you to a dollar um, i rolled the die i had to choose four coins um oh if you don't play the money version what do you choose four of um yeah so if you're playing the beat you to 100 on that game you are choosing between tens and ones so four tens or four ones so a little less variation happening there um, but good for, especially when they're working on adding multiples of 10 or adding ones. All right. And then the last thing I have is that for Double Shutter, um, you can buy these games on Amazon, but it can be pricey, especially if you will need like everybody to have their own right now because of sanitizing and germs and all that. So I made a version on some cardstock where I just stapled two flaps together and they can put down their flaps like this. So it's a really easy way to have everybody have their own game board and it's just cardstock. So it's relatively cheap to do that. And then you could play as a class and a lot of your students will have different answers at the end because they'll have made different moves along the way. So, all right, it's nine o'clock. So that's, I think that's Thank it for you me. very much, Robin. Um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you? Okay. So um, thanks, everybody, for coming tonight. Um, if you want to stick around, um, I'm sure Robin will continue to answer some questions. Um, everyone in attendance, thank you for joining next week, or I'm sorry, two weeks on May 18th. We will be hearing from several educators who um, will be sharing um, things from the NCTM virtual conference that was held April of this year. And so if you're interested in hearing the highlights of that, that would be a great night to join us. Um, addition, we are also looking for GMD webinar attendees to share how this, these webinars have impacted your um, work in your classrooms. 
We're looking for 10 to 15 minute presentations, and we're going to be putting this webinar together for the June 29th presentation. So please contact us at globalmathdepartment at gmail.com, or there's a um, Google form that you can um, fill out as well. Um, there's our email that Lee just put up there. Any other departing questions? I think we grabbed everything. Um, there's handouts. Don't forget to grab those. They're wonderful handouts. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. I think everybody left here with a list of games that we're going to go all by and make tomorrow. <laughs> oh, well, good. I hope you guys, I hope everybody has fun. Um, uh, and then you can see I put a, a link on the screen there, but also everything's in the handout. So I see um, Lynn's asking about the slides, so they should be in that handouts tab there. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Robin. This was so much fun. <laughs> Lee and I, neither one got papers graded. We were busy watching the games and playing them ourselves. <laughs> well, yay. See, look, I said learning should be fun for everybody. So I'm glad it was. It always is. And like you said, it's fun to see what all the people are doing across the world, not just the nation, but the world on these. So fun time. Yes, definitely. Anything else I can do for you tonight? That's it for me. All right. Anybody I'm have any stop the recording? Questions. I'll be here for a minute. But